to uh, Ryan and Stephanie Shop had uh, twin boys yesterday, and um, we have uh, the ladies lined up like uh, planes on a runway, and uh, a couple ladies coming this next month, and uh, right behind them, so maybe we should start bottling the water here in East Millstone, and uh, it must have something to do with it, and, uh, but anyway, congratulations to them, and uh, thank the Lord for new life that's coming into the world. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we humbly bow before your majesty because you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Lord, this morning as we look at your word, it is your word, it is not the word of men. And so, Lord, I pray as we receive it as the word of God that you would pierce our wills and our conscience with it So we would not only understand it, but we would obey it and do it. I ask you this this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way with us and use me as an instrument to preach the word of God today. I need your help. In Christ I pray. Amen. Uh, In the bulletin, there is uh, the passage that I'm going to be looking at this morning. And that's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. But the main passage I want you to notice is in verse number 3. John, chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in looking at this passage of Scripture, there are several things here that are very, very important. Now, I know many of you have heard this passage over and over again. But there are conditions in this passage that have to be met, necessary conditions, in order for someone to see and then enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, the place where God dwells. And those conditions have been met, actually, not by any human being, but by God himself. Now, let's suppose today, by way of illustration, that you wanted to become a citizen of the country of Indonesia. So you start investigating how... You go about doing that, and what is the process that it's going to take for you to become an Indonesian citizen? But you find out along the way that an Indonesian law strictly forbids anyone from becoming a citizen unless they were native-born subjects of Indonesia. That is, you could not become a citizen unless you were born of Indonesian parents and actually born in the land of Indonesia. Unless a person met that criteria, the necessary criteria, they would be unable to enter into the privileges of a recognized citizen of Indonesia. Well, let's just say that you did not seriously regard what was written and decided upon to become a citizen 
of Indonesia, and you said to yourself, well, I know what I'll do. I will change my name. I'll take on the name of an Indonesian person. If I do that, I will indeed, or need to consider, I, I should be considered at least to be an eligible applicant for the citizenship. In fact, I'll go even a step further. I will dress like an Indonesian and duplicate their physical characteristics and their mannerisms perfectly, even if, even if it means going under plastic surgery. And I'll even do something more. I will eat what Indonesian citizens eat and learn how to cook it to the point it will be undetectable by native Indonesians. And I'll do one other thing. I will learn the Indonesian language so that I can speak it fluently and without a trace of accent. So the person decided that they were going to make sure that there would be no difference between them and a real Indonesian, and there would be nothing noticeable. Yet, when you arrive at the embassy and present, present your case to be a citizen, each time the one in charge reminded you that there is no admittance except a person born in this country by Indonesian parents. Therefore, you cannot be admitted. None of these things could make you a real citizen of Indonesia. Now, actually, it is the same way spiritually. You may talk and dress like a Christian. You may join Christian organizations and sing Christian songs and in all ways look and act like a Christian. But the Bible says you were born a sinful person and you have the nature of a sinful race. Nothing you can do outwardly can change that fact. And just as you would have to be born of Indonesian parents in the land of Indonesia to be a real citizen of the country of Indonesia, so to become a real citizen of the kingdom of God, you need to meet certain criteria, certain conditions. All the things you try to do to hope God admits you in the, into the kingdom of heaven is of no avail whatever for admitting you into heaven's gate. Unless you meet the necessary conditions, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Now remember, unless you are born again, the Bible says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And you, not having the operation of the Holy Spirit in you, still, ha still have heaven's gate shut out to you because you are not born again. Let's see what one person said. It is an astonishing thing how near a painter can go to the expression of life and yet the canvas is dead and motionless. And it is equally astonishing how near a person may go to be a Christian 
And yet, though not being born again, the absolute rule shuts that person out of heaven, even with his profession, with all the trappings of his professed godliness. Yet, must he be born away from heaven's gate. So this morning, are you born in or away from heaven's gate? Now, let me say that at the start, everyone who was born into this world is born outside of heaven's gate. So then, the question I would like to ask and wrestle with this morning is how can one be born inside of heaven's gate? That's the question. In the scripture before us, Jesus is talking to a religious leader of Israel, a teacher of the law of God. And for all practical purposes, Nicodemus is his name, thinks that he is already inside of the kingdom of God. But after talking with Jesus, he finds out he has not met the conditions necessary to see or to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, at the outset of the conversation, Nicodemus did not understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born again. And you know what? I don't think Nicodemus is alone. When we read the scriptures and we misunderstand what it says. In fact, in verse number 4 of chapter 3, it says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can he? And verse 10, And Jesus said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And you do not understand these things. Nicodemus, the highest teacher of Israel, did not get what Jesus was talking about. So, Jesus being an excellent teacher, you know what he's going to do, right? He's going to explain to Nicodemus what he means. And right almost to the end, Nicodemus misunderstands. And then, Jesus takes him back to the Old Testament. And then, bam, we find that Nicodemus, I believe, becomes a believer, a Christian. Someone who not only sees the kingdom, but enters it. Now, this morning, I want to first look at the hindrances for entering heaven's gates. What will hinder you, what will hinder people from entering heaven's gate? That's what I'm calling the kingdom of God, because you have to enter into somewhere to get to that place. And that entryway is a gate. In verse number 3 of John 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there is a universal negative in this passage of Scripture. That person, Nicodemus, can't see what he thought he had. He thought he had heaven. But Jesus is saying, no, you don't even see it. He thought he was in with God, and Jesus is saying to him, no, you're not even going to enter it. Now, 
If you say that to someone who thinks they already are one of God's children and when they pass from this world is going to enter into the kingdom of God, you're going to raise some real difficulties in that person's mind. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to stir up his soul. He's trying to get them to see what he's not seeing. He's trying to get him to see where he actually stands before God. So the first hindrance that we have to be careful for when it comes to this this area of entering into heaven's gate is that first you cannot enter into heaven's gate by your own reformation. A person may reform himself very much. And that is well and good, and, and let us all do that. But a person also may cast away many vices in their life. They may forsake many lusts that they indulged in in their life. As they get older, they may even conquer evil habits in their life and finally put those things off. But none of those reforms eternally count for salvation. In fact, they count for nothing. So it's not, a hindrance could be trying to reform yourself. People say, well, I try to turn over a new leaf. And you you have this new born-again section in life you hear people talk about, right? But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's actually a hindrance. A second thing, is that you cannot enter heaven's gate by your own exertion. No amount of even the best and most notable efforts of the flesh can ever reach an an attainment of being born of the Spirit of God. Why is that? Well, our text tells us why that is so. It is because we, we cannot see. The flesh does not see spiritual things. The mind that we were born with does not understand spiritual things. In fact, here's some scripture. Genesis, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Another passage in Jeremiah. Can the Ethiopian change his skin and the lepers his spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you and I. He's talking to you. Romans 3.10. None is righteous. Not even one understands. No one seeks after God. There's God's diagnosis of you and I. Romans 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does, and it does not submit to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. 
And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what is the Lord saying to Nicodemus? What is he saying to us? He's saying, listen, the way you were born into this world, you have no capacity in your mind to understand God. You have no desire in your flesh to want God. And you have no ability in and of yourself to respond to God. That's what he's saying to him. Now, this comes to an awful shock to Nicodemus, where he stands. See, this is the great problem that we have. The question is, can a person respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in his or her fallen nature, the way you came into this world? Well, you know, there are three answers to that in theology. The first answer is, yes, There's nothing wrong with you. You lost nothing in the fall. Come on. Come respond to God. And many people have done so. And yet, they didn't meet the conditions that God set out to be saved. A second group says also, yes, you can be. But you need some help. Man was wounded at the fall. And therefore, he didn't lose everything. But he kind of needs God's help prod him along a little bit. And there's another group, of course, that second group, the group I just talked about, that group right there is the prevalent teaching today in both evangelicalism and Catholicism. See, having people choosing Christ, cooperating with God's grace, in their fallen state before being born again. Before the Holy Spirit of God is in them. Matter of fact, they came up with a doctrine. They called it, you probably heard it, provenient grace. Provenient grace is a teaching that there was bestowed upon our depraved natures an ability which enabled man to cooperate with God in this matter of justice and salvation. The problem is, is that Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, brings none. He is saying absolutely the opposite of that. He is saying to Nicodemus, here's the biblical position, that regeneration precedes faith. In other words, regeneration is a necessary condition before you can respond to God. In other words, God himself supplies the necessary condition to come to Jesus Christ. We come by grace alone, by God's free offer alone. So see, the bottom line is this, that the flesh doesn't profit anything. John chapter 3 and verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now here's the bottom line before I actually look at it in the text. So what is a necessary condition that must be satisfied before one can come to Jesus for salvation and be born inside of heaven's gate is that of what they call regeneration. Another word for regeneration is right here in the text in verse number 3, born again. 
So, there are conditions for entering heaven's gate. You can't just barge your way in. You can't just go in there to say, listen, I'm going to reform my life, clean it up, be the best person I can be, and God has to accept me to be a citizen of His kingdom. You can't say, hey, listen, um, I am going to enter into heaven's gate because I have given it all the effort I could in this life. That is not a necessary condition to get in. Those are the very things that keep you out. Now, this has blown away Nicodemus as far as you can be blown away. Jesus is basically saying to him, Nicodemus, you don't have any part of the kingdom of God. You have no part of the kingdom of heaven at all whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you right now, what are the necessary conditions to enter into heaven's gate? And here's the first one in verse number three. Unless one is born again, there's the first condition. The word born again simply means to be born from above. Now, just as you could not choose to be born into the world, no one asked you whether you were going to be born into the world or not. You cannot be... You, you, God's not going to ask you in this, in this sense, or you don't have the ability to be born again. You don't have the ability in and of yourself to be born from above. No person in this world can make himself be born in God. Though he or she may try very hard to enter, they could never accomplish what is beyond their power. Even if you could make yourself born again, you still would not enter heaven because there is another point in the condition which you would, would, you, which you would actually violate. And the condition that you would violate is found in verse 5 through 8, and that is the condition of being born again of the Spirit. It says in verse 5, well, before I read that, what I'm saying is this, only by the supernatural working of the Spirit of God upon a person's heart can that person be born again. Only by the operations of the divine spirit in the human heart can anyone become a regenerate person. And without the Holy Spirit, they could never be born again. So a person doesn't get up in the morning and decide, I'm going to become a Christian today. doesn't happen like that. Look at verse number 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7. Do not be amazed that I should say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is saying, here is, the, in a sense, the second condition. Not only do you need to be born from above, you need to be born of God's Spirit. And nobody can do that on their own. Nobody can make themselves a Christian. 
See, unless God the Holy Spirit works in you, like Philippians tells us, for it is God who is work is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Unless the Holy Spirit should operate upon your will and operate upon your conscience, regeneration is absolutely an impossibility and there is no salvation. It is impossible for you to make yourself a Christian so that you end up on the right side of heaven's gate. If you try to make yourself a Christian, you will end up on the wrong side of heaven's gates. That means on the outside. And believe me, you don't want to end up on the outside of the kingdom of God, do you? You want to end up, and Jesus is getting there, but he has to undo everything Nicodemus learned up until this point so he can get the point across. Just like us, God has to undo everything we thought before we can see the truth and respond to that truth. So, in thinking of that, You may be saying to yourself at this particular point, wait a minute, do you mean to say that God absolutely steps in on the salvation of every person to make them born again? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. In the salvation of every person, there is actual a putting forth of divine power. Whereby, God takes you, the dead sinner, of course that's that third point, that we believe at the fall, we died spiritually. Right? We're dead. We have no ability to respond to God at all. So, a person who is born again, God takes that person's dead spirit and he, it says in Ephesians, he quickens it. Now, we don't use that word very much today, but it just simply means literally he makes us alive. He does it. We cannot do it ourselves. It says in Ephesians, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together in Christ by grace you have been saved. So see, this word regeneration means to be made alive, that your dead heart is made alive now to God. Colossians says it like this, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all transgressions. So God actually makes a dead sinner alive. And then what does he do? He takes his unwilling, this unwilling sinner, and he makes him willing. He takes this desperately hard sinner and makes his conscience tender. He takes this person who rejected God and despised Christ. And they're brought to cast themselves down at the feet of Jesus, casting off all pride and end up in humility. So God 
regenerates a dead heart, makes it alive, changes the will, changes the conscience, and brings them to a place where they want and desire Christ. That's what he does. And until that happens, no one can be saved. So, so you know what that means? Salvation's of God. Salvation is of God. And I'm thankful for that. So, see, there must be a divine operation, a, a divine working upon the person, and without it, you perish. You're undone forever. Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. When a sinner comes to Christ, he actually, Christ does some wonderful things in that person's life. He takes the burden of sin and guilt off that person. Why? He took it on the cross. He also gives the principle of spiritual life to that person. He renews their nature and creates it again and makes that person a new creature. That's why Paul can say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's changed, and it's a radical change. He makes us love what we hated. He makes us love what we hated and hate hate what we loved. He sets us on a new road. He makes our habits different, our thoughts different, our he makes different everything we do in private and everything we do in public. Everything is different. Christ then gives peace, which the Bible says is a result of true faith with a joy that passes understanding. Now, in that sense, what does it mean to see the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus does say that. Truly, say, I, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, in verse number three, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What does it, what does it mean? I think there's several things it means. Number one, it means to desire to enter. When you see something, and now you finally see it for what it is. When God finally opens your eyes to it. See, then you're going to start to desire it. Because you're going to see the liberty and the privileges of the child of God. You're going to see the kingdom of God means a desire to have your prayers answered by God. A desire to have communion with Christ. A desire to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A desire to bring forth and produce all those joyous and blessed fruits which are the effect of real regeneration. You're going to see that someone who sees the kingdom of God must be very different to enter into the place God dwells. A second thing, though, in seeing is that an understanding, an understanding of what? The only way to enter. And what's the only way to enter? I'm just going to say it simply, and I'm going to bring it back up when I'm at the end. The only way to enter is this way, to look. To look. To look to Christ. 
To see the kingdom of God means more simply to be admitted into heaven's gate. Except a man be born again, he cannot know about heavenly things on earth and cannot enjoy heavenly blessing forever. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, those who understand and they have a new heart, they desire heaven. And secondly, they understand what it means to enter. But let me just say something about this. Those who are unregenerate, those who are unsaved, those who are not born again, they don't desire heaven. Neither would they enjoy the things of God. Surely a person who is not born again would not get pleasure in heaven. Why is that? Well, in our text right here, verse number 19, it says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light for their deeds are evil. See, we, when we're born into this world, we like the dark. And that means the evil deeds, the evil desires in our heart, the evil things that we have done when God looks at sin and says, that's evil. The things in our conscience that we have, our conscience has been developed in a way in society in which we are not obeying God, but doing what we want. We're violating our conscience all the time. We say, I don't listen to that conscience anymore. I'll do what I want. So your passions take over, your desires take over. Your mind desires sinful things. See, they desire just what they are, their sin. They like it. They're comfortable in it. In fact, the unregenerate would feel out of place in heaven. The unregenerate, because of their fallen nature, it would prevent that person from actually enjoying and delighting in a place like paradise. Why is that? The unregenerate person would find heaven a miserable place. If somebody goes to heaven, just in a scenario, and they love darkness, they're not going to love heaven that's light, and the God of light is there, and the God of glory is there. Being around born-again people who delight in praising God all the time, being around born-again people who delight in talking about the God of redeeming love for all eternity, being closely connected with a bunch of people who are forgiven and accepted in the beloved, being around the righteous who enjoy singing about spiritual things recurrently, being in the presence of the glory of God, surrounded by people with, who with gladness commune with Christ, nobody who is unregenerate would want to be in heaven and enjoy it. They would say, get me out of here. I can't take this. So don't don't be under the illusion. Yes, people want to go to heaven. But if they do not see what's there, and they do not meet the conditions to enter, if they got there, they would not enjoy themselves. Because why? It would be contrary to their dead, fallen natures. 
that desire just to sin. So no one who is born from above No one who is not born again, I meant to say, would enjoy being inside of heaven's gates. Heaven is a state that is made here. It is made in the heart. It is made by God's Spirit within us. And unless God the Spirit has renewed and caused us to be born again, we we cannot enjoy the things of heaven. We would not like God's presence And don't misunderstand, a person who was not born again could not enjoy heaven, even if he were to have it. For this one reason, he does not have and does not possess the abilities, the capabilities of doing so. Not being born again would actually prevent that person from entering into heaven's gate. And even if God were to push open heaven's gate, Open, push it open wide and even say, come on in. The unregenerate person could not enjoy heaven. Why? Well, unless a man is born again, there is an impossibility. There is a moral impossibility of seeing the kingdom of God. He, has a, he is at a great disadvantage because he has not been born again of the Holy Spirit. The old corrupt, sinful nature would not find a home in heaven's gate. There would be nothing there that he would find attracted to and would find pleasure in. You think that's the case? I believe that's the case. But on the other hand, people who are born again here on this earth by God's Spirit and have the promise of the kingdom of God, they love God. They love His Word. They love the people of God. They love long sermons. Gotcha on that one. Why? They want to hear what God has to say. They've been lied to all their life. They want the truth finally. And real believers know what the truth is. They have a radar given to us by the Spirit of God. We hone in on truth. We have a discernment to know what is God's way. And we desire that more than anything else. Well, saying all that, I surely don't want to discourage you or put you in a place to say, well, then nobody can enter into the kingdom of heaven because that's not Jesus' point in John chapter 3. Jesus' point for Nicodemus and for you and I is simply this. He wants you and I to enter into heaven's gate. He wants you to know, to be able to evaluate yourself, where do you stand with God so you know you will enter into heaven's gate. So that leads me to verse 14 through 17 of John chapter 3. And that is direction on meeting the necessary conditions in order to enter heaven's gates. And let me just say this, that God has already met the conditions. 
He's met the conditions. If you're going to be born from above, God has to do it. If you're going to be born from the Spirit, God has to send the Spirit to do it. You can't do that on your own. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you don't know where the Spirit goes. The wind blows this way, this way. You, don't know. you, you can't determine, but God knows where His Spirit goes. He knows who he's, who he's going to send it to. He knows who needs to hear the gospel so they can evaluate themselves as where they stand with God. Well, look at verse number 14 through 17. And this is the clincher for Nicodemus, and I believe it should be for you. It says in verse number 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he said this, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In other words, God is saying this so people get saved. So, the only heaven there is, is the heaven of spiritual people. The heaven of praise, the heaven of delight in God, the heaven of acceptance in the beloved, the heaven of communion with Christ. See, if you are still unholy and have not been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I've said that many times. Yet, if you turn God in Christ will have mercy on you. See, that's the gospel. That's the good news. Don't wait, please, until the end and say to yourself, I'll become born again right before I die. I heard people say that. But don't be foolish to think that you can outmaneuver the fox of death. It may be too late to hope tomorrow. Tomorrow you may be in hell, sealed there forever. In fact, you see, death actually freezes you as you were here on earth for all eternity. At death, you're frozen. One person said it like this, You today are like the burning metal running forth from the cauldron into the mold. Death cools you in your mold, and you are cast in that shape throughout all eternity. So in the state in which you die, you're frozen forever. There's no second chances after death. So the grand question that needs to be asked and honestly answered is, am I a born-again believer? Am I born again right now? My friends, the thought of being shut out of heaven is an awful thought. But you know what? I know someone who can help you. I know someone who can give you his spirit. But you must run to Christ. You must trust him. 
and His Spirit must renew you. Now, in saying that, the passage that I just read here, that it seems like an odd passage in a way. In verse number 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if I got your curiosity, I'd like you to do something. Take your Bible and turn to Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. All right? That's the fourth book of the Bible. Go right to the front and turn to Numbers, chapter 21, verse 7 through 9, because I want you to see how Jesus taught and undid everything Nicodemus ever learned and pointed him back to the Old Testament to show him how to be born again. In fact, this could be the gospel according to the book of Numbers. Look what it says in chapter 21, in verse number 7. It says, So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord. What's the first thing? Admit that you sinned against God. Secondly, he says this, in the right after the Lord, that he may remove the serpents from us. Secondly, who can remove the serpents? God. So you have to secondly understand your inability to save yourself. And of serpents here, they were bitten by serpents, and they were going to die unless they did what God said. Right? And of course, we're all bitten by serpents. You know that. The serpent of sin. And sin is causing us to die. So we have to realize and understand our inability to save ourselves. There is nothing you can do to earn or merit salvation. A third thing, verse number 8, says this in Numbers chapter 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks, when he looks at it, he will what? Live. What does this mean? That when Jesus Christ is lifted up on the cross, believing is looking. It's seeing that there is only one remedy placed there by God for our eternal salvation. And Jesus paid the cost and the price. And that anyone who will be born again by the Spirit, what they need to do is look. Look. And be saved. That's why it says in John 3, so that whoever believes will in Him have eternal life but notice in numbers chapter 21 verse 9 and moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard and it came about that if any serpent bit any man when he looked to the bronze serpent he lived see that's what it, there's no work involved here faith is no work it is a gift of god for us to say when we're realize we're bitten by sin shut out of the kingdom of God and want to enter the kingdom of God when He gives us the new heart and we now 
admit we're sinners, we understand we can't save ourselves, and we look to the only one who can save us, Jesus Christ. Amen? And His resurrection seals it for us. It's done. It's a done deal, like we read in the quote. He finished the work. He ascended back to the Father. That's where Jesus is right now. And He's sitting there making intercession for the saints, and He's waiting to come back. That's what He's doing. He's waiting to come back. So what do we need to do? Receive Jesus. But as many as received Him, tells us in John, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of the blood or the will of man or the will of the flesh but the will of God and then follow Christ in loving obedience that's why Dwayne wanted to so desperately read that passage of scripture in John 336 where it says this he believes in the son has eternal life but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of God abides on him he will be in the state that he always remained in if he does not look to Jesus for salvation. And that state is being under God's wrath. And ultimately, what are you and I saved from? We're saved from God's wrath. That's what we're saved from. And there's no one who's going to escape that except those who are born again by the Spirit. They see and enter the kingdom. So I pray that you, this morning, would rethink your position. And I pray that you will be inside and not away from heaven's gate. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, it's because you have risen that I can even preach this. And I pray, Lord, that you would do your work in the hearts of people. So, Lord, they can truly understand their position. And then, Lord, they can, if they have never done before, look to you for salvation. Lord, give them that new heart and desire to see and then enter the kingdom like you have done with so many of your children, Lord. Send your Spirit, Lord, to convict them of their sin and of their unrighteousness. And Lord, open their eyes to see that Christ is the only way. There is no other way. And I pray, Lord, that they would receive you, believe in you, and follow you. For those who are, I pray, Lord, they would rejoice evermore for understanding the gospel of Christ and how much they didn't deserve it, and give you praise because of it. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.